0: This podcast is part of the
1: Red Five Network. For more Red Five Network podcasts, visit red5network.com.
0: Hey there, Scuttle Buddies. This is Rob, host of the Jedi Temple Archives Podcast. When you grab your sunscreen and your blasters, don't grab just any sunscreen. Grab a bottle of Tuscan Tan. It's the only sunscreen rated to withstand a single reactor blast from the Death Star. And that can certainly come in handy when you're stationed at the Data Vault Archive on Scarif. You're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast.
2: Target the base at Scarif. Single reactor ignition.
0: Yes, sir. fire
3: when ready. this is marisha from coruscant radio underground and this is yana from the padawan report and this is the scarif scuttlebutt podcast your source for everything going on in that galaxy far far away and that's the scuttlebutt
2: hey guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of the scarif scuttlebutt podcast Star Wars, as you know, is a special thing, but it's special for so many different reasons to as many different people. We all experienced one Star Wars or another, I'm hoping, in a darkened theater, popcorn and drink in hand waiting for that Lucasfilm logo to fade in and see those ten little words that every nerd lives by. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The theater experience has suffered through world events, but it's one I can't wait to get back to. So tonight's show, I've got some very special help discussing that theater experience and what it means to us fans, so stay tuned. I also want to drop a very big thank you to our Red 5 family from the Red 5 Network, plus Fee2D2, Angela, Alex, Brad, Cam Ray, Darth Hound, Spencer Fannin michelle natalie from force of light entertainment podcast that contributed a segment to this episode thank you everyone and thank you all for continuing to interact and support us here at the scare of scuttlebutt podcast may the force be with you and on with today's show all right. Thank you guys again for joining us here on this Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast uh, special show. You know, we're not going to talk about Star Wars uh, this time around, but it's, it's kind of related. Star Wars obviously is a, a, a tentpole film, uh, an event type of uh, activity when it comes to uh, releases in the theater. And that's exactly what uh, I'd like to talk to with our next guest. Andre Hutchins, uh, long time coming. I've been wanting to have you on the show. Uh, you know, we've been wanting to talk for the longest time. We, uh, obviously are both, uh, film nuts and, uh, we, we appreciate a good, uh, cinematic experience. And, uh, you know, I just want to say welcome to the show, Andre. And, uh, how, how are things, man? I'm doing very well.
1: Very well. Thank you, Ro. I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me onto the Scarif podcast. Um, I I have been listening to you guys uh, I, I pretty much from day one uh, when you and Brad did wow. your, you know, you, you guys had just gone to, um, um, uh, it was uh, the Star Wars, um, what do you call it? It's like the Star Wars Comic Con. So yeah, Celebration. Star Wars Celebration. It was in Chicago. That's where you guys met. And you were telling your story about like you guys met and you're like, hey, let's do a podcast. And so, yeah, I mean, I've been following you guys uh, from the beginning and um, I just got to say, before uh before the last Jedi came out, I was listening to probably a dozen different Star Wars podcasts. I couldn't get enough Star Wars. Well, my my tastes have become very refined in which Star Wars podcasts I listen to. And so I I don't want if there are other people Star Wars podcasters that maybe I, I interact <laughs> with on Twitter, I'm sorry. But the Scariff Scuttlebutt podcast is the only Star Wars podcast I am currently subscribed to. You guys are the only one I listen to, and I love your show. I wow. love your show.
2: I do. Wow, wow, that is fantastic. I uh, that is great news uh, for us. Anyways, <laughs> maybe not so for the other Star Wars podcast, but <laughs> but you know, I I really appreciate it. I love hearing stories about how people find us because you know you start a podcast and you. You know, your wish list obviously is that the people find you and listen to you and at least interact with you. But it, it you know, we've uh, we've been really lucky with the interactions that we've had, uh, you know, from the get go. And if you started listening to us from day one, um, you know, that is really great. It's fantastic um, to be able to to have so many folks that that really started listening to us from. Um, uh, from the the very early episodes, and I, I can't tell you what uh, how much joy that brings to to my heart listening to, just you know everybody finding out about the Scare Scuttlebutt. We've got a great little community here, and you know it grew from just an interest uh, uh, talking about this franchise that we we all love for whatever reason, and it's just been great. We've been having a ball, just. You know, I mean, every like I said, everybody starts a podcast and they wish you know one or two people listen to, but uh, we've we've got some great numbers and some uh, some fantastic friends that we met online because of this, and uh, we really appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. No,
1: the reason why I I started listening to your podcast and the reason why I have kept listening is is really one reason. It, It is the fact that you and Brad and Alex, when Alex is ever on, you guys are you're honest about your star Wars opinion and you're not afraid to give critiques where you feel it is warranted. And that, that is something that the honesty and that genuineness is, is what has made me a fan. And it's the reason why I'll continue listening. So I love it.
2: That's awesome. I appreciate it. That's uh, exactly why we started the scare of scuttlebutt podcast. It's exactly why we continue. Um, You know, unfortunately it's, it's been really hard lately uh, with everything that is going on uh besides you know just talking about star wars but it's really been difficult to express um you know opinions without uh you know offending uh, people but you know we we try to at least have discussions we hardly ever block anyone unless they're <laughs> being assholes about it but but for the most part you know we are all about just you know talking about you know, different opinions and thoughts and discussions. And that's really what it's all about. Um, and We appreciate those who, you know, even in, in in our network, we've got folks with different voices and, and different takes on things. And obviously, uh, you know, you've got uh, some that are a little bit more vocal, um, some that, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more on the reserve side. But the Red 5 Network is a great... Uh, you know, a great example of how different voices can get together and really just enjoy, you know, creating content, creating something that, uh, you know, people will enjoy. And, you know, again, you know, I'm in this group chat with everybody in red five. We just, were talking about this whole John Boyega thing. And some people agreed with one aspect of it and some people disagreed with the other. And, and, you know, we just discussed it. And at the end of the day, you know, we're still friends. Nobody's eyes were poked out, and we just discussed it, and that's that's what's great. So one of our uh, one of our followers way back when, you know, I, I remember they called us the Switzerland of Star Wars fans, and we're, we're kind- <laughs> So we we uh, we kind of kind of you know stick with that. We're we're you know we we've got followers and and people that listen to our podcast from uh, both uh, you know sides of the aisle. Uh, which is great, um, but uh, you know, like I said, you know, we, we just have a, we just want to have a discussion and a dialogue uh, about this franchise because you know I, I don't want to say all Star Wars is great because I, that's kind of a not where we're at, but uh, we do love Star Wars. It's the reason why a lot of us are here, and uh, I just we just want to continue to have discussions uh, because. It's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I think you guys do a really great job of
1: incorporating, you know, a, a, a diversity of opinions among Star Wars fans because it's it's uh it goes without saying that Star Wars fans have very different opinions on Star Wars movies and, you know, people people might have you know their opinions of what Star Wars fans are like and we're definitely very opinionated that's for sure I'll admit that um, but I think I just think it's because of how how much Star Wars means to us personally and, and maybe we'll get into this more just you know so I think a lot of our discussion today will just be on movies in general but um, you know I, I run my own movie podcast uh, I have my own movie blog and so and and I have a team of writers and we write a lot about movies but my love of movies, my love of movies started as a child with Star Wars. Star Wars is what created the spark and in, in, in sincere, deep interest in movies in general. I, it was just the magic of Star Wars that created uh, something really memorable and and really personal to me. And so, so I love movies. I love all movies. I love all genres. But Star Wars, Star Wars will, will always, always hold a special place in my heart that really no other movie does.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's one thing that we have in common for sure. You know, Star Wars is what uh, kind of made me and created me and molded my personality and obviously my professional interests. I uh, fell in love with uh, the folks behind the scenes creating this world out of nothing. I've said that, uh, I don't know, countless times on the podcast. But, uh, you know, it's you're right. It's something that we love and, you know, we just want it to be the best that it can be. And, you know, we're, we're not afraid to... Critique it, like you said, when when it's necessary, and just discuss it. Um, but uh, yeah, getting back to your um, y- your podcast, Backseat uh, Directors. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, its uh, its uh, beginnings and and how you got started with that. Sure, sure. So um,
1: it was all back in uh, the early part of 2017. So I've had the podcast for a little over three years now and uh it uh, again it all kind of revolved around star wars so uh, as i mentioned before i was listening to a lot of star wars podcasts and my wife said hey why don't you start a podcast and i was like well i know nothing about podcasts i don't know anything about audio equipment or anything well you know like a lot of people um if you want to learn something where do you go you go to youtube and you, <laughs> you just look up how to videos right and so I learned that actually, hey, it's not too difficult and you don't have to be an audio tech wizard like Ro, which I know you are. I mean, I'm just using a USB <laughs> microphone and that's enough for me. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I knew I knew I wanted, um, even though, again, Star Wars was kind of at the core of my, my um, interest in starting a podcast, it, I knew I wanted to continue to have... Um, kind of a broader audience and a broader um, range of topics uh, for my episodes on the podcast, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do just movies. So I'll do movie re- reviews and recommendations. That's that was kind of the basis of Backseat Directors. But my very first episode was a review of Rogue One. So there you go, Star Wars again. So that, That's it, that awesome. was yeah, March March of 2017. And today, I actually just recorded another episode today, which was episode. 113. So, uh, back, uh, for most of 2019, I didn't record, but other than 2019, I've recorded consistently. And especially during the coronavirus pandemic, I've actually been on top of recording weekly and, uh, it's, it's felt really good. Um, I, I, I really enjoy it. I, I make no money from this. I actually... I lose a lot of money (laughs) podcasting. yeah, of
2: course. Um,
1: Like probably, I mean, you know, we do this because it's fun, because it it, it brings joy to, you know, to just our personal lives and our personal interests and things that, you know, we like to discuss. And and so, yeah, so, but Backseat Directors, um, earlier this year I launched a website. So along with the podcast, we have a website, and I have a team of writers, and they write, you know, different editorials and movie topics and also do movie reviews. And so, yeah, I mean, if there's a, if, if there's a movie out there that you have heard of, but you, you know, you want to know more about, we've probably reviewed it. So just go to backseatdirectors.com and you'll find dozens and dozens and dozens of reviews.
2: That's awesome. And I know we uh, we've had some chats about certain movies and in, in our uh, DMs and stuff like that. So it, it's, uh, you know, let's dive right into our topics here. You know, movies have been a part of, uh, you know, our culture for a long time. It uh, kind of replaced uh, telling stories around a campfire uh, back in the day, cave drawings. I mean, you can go even further than that. Uh what from your point of view and obviously you've seen a lot of movies and we're very passionate about filmmaking what is it about movies um that represent so much in 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 culture what is their cultural significance well I think you already nailed it and it's the reason why I love movies so much
1: it, it's it is it's a modern day form of storytelling and so in anybody that's taken any type of you know uh, history class or even a, a, psychology class. Um, the, the, the art of storytelling has been around since, since human history essentially. And that storytelling is essential, uh, to what makes people who they are. You know, it's how we've carried on traditions of how we've carried on, um, you know, beliefs, whether political, religious, um, Storytelling is fundamental to the aspect of just of life in general and so with with the era of humanity that we live in movies are modern day storytelling and so you know for me my my love of movies it, it comes down to that one um just kind of that one fundamental aspect of movies and that is the ability to tell stories and obviously I mean <laughs> there are there are Hundreds of movies that come out every year, you know, outside of, uh, you know, even the ones that we kind of the big blockbusters that most people go and see, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, etc. There are hundreds and hundreds of movies that are made every year. And I think it just goes to show. um, I know I know a lot of people say Hollywood's out of ideas and it might seem like that. But if you if you start looking outside of the kind of the mainstream big blockbuster type movies, you'll find a lot of original, very cool stories uh, that a lot of filmmakers are telling, but yeah, it's it's storytelling. I mean, storytelling is it is it is a core aspect of our humanity.
2: Absolutely. So you touched on something uh, very interesting. So you know, streaming services has opened up uh, a massive library of different voices and stories. You know, we've got uh, Netflix, we've got uh, you know uh, Amazon Prime. I mean, so many things are out there, and obviously. You know, these studios are rushing to create brand new content to keep us entertained, to keep, uh, you know, their stories alive. Uh, You know, prior to streaming, you know, people would go to film festivals to try to catch different uh, directors and different stories. Um, You know, my wife and I watch a lot of foreign films which I, I think you know this is you know before streaming we really didn't have access to all of that yeah, um, yeah. one of the one of the things that I notice is that filmmaking and the art of telling stories through cinematic ways is so universal. It, um, it really transcends, you know, countries and languages and things like that. There are so many, you know, foreign movies that we've seen lately uh, from all over the world that really, you know, for the most part, they, they kind of stick to a, a certain formula uh, of telling that story. but it's done in such a different way because obviously the culture is different. The language is different. Um, there are certain differences within those filmmaking, um, processes, but at the same time, they're so similar to how we consume films. Can you talk a little bit about how, what your experience has been with streaming and, and all the, the, the just brand new content that is out there? Well, the first thing
1: that comes to mind when you ask that question is that, um, I often begin to feel overwhelmed with the amount of new content that is available at the touch of our you know our fingertips you know whether it's you don't even have to sit in front of your TV anymore in order to to consume content and the the amount of content available is just it, it is outstanding like I mean just, innumerable amounts of new shows and movies, it seems are popping up on the daily, you know, and, and even if you only subscribe to one or two streaming services like Netflix or Amazon, which are probably the two biggest, you know, in, in just the last year, we've had Disney plus Apple TV plus, and now HBO max all joined the, Oh, and, uh, what's the NBC one peacock or something like that. Yeah. Peacock, you know, all, right. all in the last 12 months, these services have, have joined the fray and, and offer all brand new content on all their services. And this is, this is outside of cable and satellite and the content that cable and satellite are still providing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's the first thing that comes into mind. And, and, you know, for me personally, you kind of have to, at some point you just kind of have to be choosy, you know, you have to be selective on what you're going to spend your time on. And, you know, I mean, I I subscribe to Disney Plus, but it's primarily to watch The Mandalorian, <laughs> which sure. which has been worth my money. I think a lot of people Definitely, might think yeah. that that it is, but um, um, but it. The other thing that comes to mind though is that there are a lot of filmmakers that are are getting their opportunity to make a you know whatever whether it's TV or or movies, um, they are getting an opportunity that otherwise they would not have, um if streaming services do not exist. So the streaming service are, are much more willing to take a chance financially on a lesser known filmmaker, director, writer, etc., Um, in order to have that exclusive new creative content, right? Like the creators of stranger things, no one knew what stranger things was. No one even knew that it was going to be as popular as it was when it first debuted on Netflix back in, what was that like 2016? And, and it has become a cultural phenomenon. And those writers and the creators of Stranger Things got their chance because Netflix took a chance on them that otherwise they likely would not have had, had Netflix not existed. So, you know, there's, there's just, there's a lot of pros and cons to the dearth of entertainment available to us because yeah, like Stranger Things and the Mandalorian, sometimes you strike gold and you create an incredible show, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's the other thing, too, about streaming services. They do take chances. And I know, you know, we both uh, listen to uh, Alex and the uh, crew over at the Salty Nerd Podcast. They they review a lot of movies on uh, a lot of genre movies, you know, nerd movies on Netflix and other uh, streaming services. You know, one of the things I noticed um, when I listened to them, you know, obviously they they kind of dive into some of the new things. One of the things that I do give props to, especially Netflix, because I, I think you know people complain about Netflix for for whatever reason. But I think if I had to if I had to drop. Uh, streaming services, Netflix would be the last one that I would drop. Yeah. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I give them credit for at least creating content that is different, that is kind of gutsy, that gives those filmmakers an opportunity to create, and maybe a multi-episode series, um, you know, the ability to find an audience. Um, There are tons of series on that show that have either been reworked from a foreign market or straight out purchased and rebranded through uh, Netflix uh, that gives, you know, audience members like us an opportunity to see them. There's a Spanish show that I love. It's uh, called The The Ministry of Time, and it's something that I never would have discovered if I didn't have Netflix. So shows like that that give us the ability to kind of step outside the normal um to take chances i think it's it's very commendable um have you found any shows that uh, that you really really love uh you know that you really haven't been able to find elsewhere
1: yeah that's a great question um because i, I and i want to i kind of want to answer that same question that you posed yourself about which which streaming service would i cancel last yeah. and i think i think you're right i think it would be netflix and um the reason is is because i think Netflix has excelled in creating original series. Their movies, their movies are on an upward trajectory. They've had some decent movies recently, um, and I think they're only going to get better. Um, it's just being able to find, you know, find which ones. I guess maybe that's why. Hey, listen to backseat directors because we're going to watch all of them, even the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Netflix, Netflix by far and away outside of the Mandalorian. Cause I will say that outside of the Mandalorian, cause that show is very good. Netflix has had my favorite original series of any of the streaming services. Um, obviously stranger things, stranger things is incredible. Um, but the haunting of Hill house, which came out, I believe in, in two, was it
2: 2018?
1: 2000, 2018, 2017, yeah, so? 2018. I can't remember. 18. So that in, in, in my honest opinion, is one of the greatest television series I've ever seen. Ever, I, I the writing and the acting is is a plus. I mean, you can't get better than that. And I am very much looking forward to The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is going to be kind of season two, even though it's a different story. But, um, you know, but there's, I mean, you know, you think of other shows like Narcos or Orange is the New Black, you know, just really, really popular uh, television series that have all been made, you know, through the streaming service known as Netflix. And so, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just... Yeah, it's it's crazy how things have evolved over the years. I mean, essentially Netflix was the nail in the coffin for for video rental stores. I mean, Netflix, sure. you know, Netflix, you know, they 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 buried the grave and and, you know, built the casket for for Blockbuster. And yeah. uh, I mean, we're we're old enough to remember the days of Blockbuster and walking in on a Friday night and, you know, just feeling excited to rent that new movie, you know, but uh um, as with all things, you know, all good things come to an end and streaming services offer incredible opportunities that otherwise wouldn't exist. But um, outside of Netflix, I'd have to say, you know, I haven't gotten too much into Amazon Prime original series other than, uh, I don't know if you've seen um, uh, the Mar- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes. So that's one of my most favorite shows. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. very good. It's won a bunch of, uh, I think it's the Emmys for television awards. Mm -hmm. I'm not too, I'm not too versed on the television side, but, um, but then on Apple TV plus, we, we also watched um, the morning show and that was, that was excellent. That was really good. And so, yeah, I mean, there's just, man, there's, there's so much out there. There really is. But um, Netflix, I still think Netflix uh, has and continues to provide the best original content.
2: I agree. You know, my wife and I, I think two Octobers ago, we started watching uh, a lot of these um, paranormal shows on A&E and all those, the travel channel had a couple of, you know, this, you know, hauntings and stuff like that. And they're, you know, when they're done well, they're, they're done well. My wife is... Not into you know the sci-fi fantasy you know people start floating down the stairs she kind of tunes out and she leaves me <laughs> with it so stuff like that really doesn't is not her cup of tea um, how she how she allows me with my Star Wars all over the place I'll never know but um, you know so we started watching these hauntings and and shows like that and and when we found the haunting of Hill House it was phenomenal it was well done uh, you know another show that I'm enjoying on Netflix is uh, Umbrella academy season two that show i'd love to see a behind the scenes of that show because it is i am so in awe of the special effects of that show and um lost in space as well well i have not
1: seen season two of lost in space but season one was very good it was very
2: good season two season two i you know i watched every episode with my son and we were you know jaw on the floor <laughs> each each episode was like a movie uh, i i was i even told a friend that i think i like it better than the mandalorian it yeah. was so good yeah yeah uh, yeah i mean it, it and it's what's surprising
1: though is is the quality too you know it, oh yeah some of these shows uh, you can tell there's a lot of budget behind them you know they spend a lot of money on the special effects and and to really get Kind of that almost movie-like feeling, you know, which I, I I keep saying the Mandalorian, but hey, this is a Star Wars podcast. But like the Mandalorian, you know, we obviously know that the budget of the Mandalorian is nowhere near what they've spent, you know, to create like the sequel trilogy. Um, but you almost can't even tell. You know, it's, it's sure. it, the type of technology that they've created. I know there's some new technology for special effects that I know John Favreau wanted to do for the Mandalorian, but you know, they, they, they're still able to create a production that is high quality. But here, I'll, I will tell you this, cause I, I had to write some of these down cause I knew I'd forget that this is just how many good shows there are on Netflix, <laughs> but, um, documentaries are actually one of the better parts of Netflix that I've really enjoyed. Um, but are- they're,
2: they are kicking it out of the ballpark with their, their opens, the, the documentary, the opens. Cause I'm, again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a production guy. I'm a mm. big graphics guy. And the, their opens, like, um, the one that we just saw the series that we just finished up unsolved mysteries. Oh, great. Great yes. open. Yes. And I love, <laughs> love the fact that they gave Robert stack a little, you know, cred in the open because obviously Robert Stack is no longer with us but you can see his image the last image before they go into fade to black you know he kind of pops up and that's like respect to Netflix right there man yes
1: I completely agree my wife and I we blew through those first six episodes you know I mean I, I I was born in the the early 80s so I mean I grew up with that tv show you know, and, and just, you can hear, you can hear the theme song and I'm, I'm happy. That, that
2: theme song still freaks me out, it, man.
1: Yes. It, 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 they, I'm telling you, I mean, aside from that, these awful stories are real. I mean, God blesses yeah, right. families that have gone through horrific tragedies, sure. but to, to be able to resurrect a show that's almost, you know, pop culture status, you know, for, for the original Unsolved Mysteries and, and to really, you can tell that they're paying homage to it, but also. Taking it into, you know, 2020 in modern day, sure. very yeah. good, really good stuff. So some of the others that I, well, I think Netflix really, they really made a bang uh, with uh, making it, making a murder. I think making a murder huh. really, really, you know, sure. solidified Netflix as kind of, kind of a, hey, we're, we're at the top and everyone else you're trying right. to catch up to us. Sure. Um, but there's a bunch of other, I mean, well, Tiger King, Tiger King came out, <laughs> came <laughs> yeah. out this yeah. year, right? Um, but they even won, they won the Oscar for a documentary, best documentary, um, I think twice now, um, this most recent one, um, I forget what it, it was called. Like, um, uh, it was about, it was about a Chinese company purchasing an old, uh, windshield, um, uh, manufacturing company in Michigan in Detroit um, I forget what it's called, but they won the Oscar just this past oh, uh, cool. awards. And then they also won one for call. Uh, it was called Icarus and it was about, uh, the, uh, athlete doping scandal in Russia. And so, I mean, Netflix is really establishing themselves as a premier studio, you know, I mean, and they've, they've been nominated for a bunch of different Oscars for some of their movies as well. Um, you mentioned foreign movies, um, but you, uh, oh gosh, um, Oh goodness! What was it called? It was the black and white one uh, in Mexico about the the nanny. Um,
2: oh you, uh, yeah yeah yeah. Oh
1: gosh, you I know you saw well, it, but um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. I, I'm I'm not. Yeah, I'm not and she's uh,
2: she's actually from Oaxaca, which is my father's home state and uh directed by Alfonso Cuarón.
1: Yeah, hey, well, you you remember the director? Um Yeah. But anyway, so I mean name, that yeah. that that won an Oscar for best um best international film. And so I mean, you know, Netflix, I, I think Netflix is just they're just they they continue to do their they their the good decisions they make continue to outweigh the bad ones. And so that's why I continue to believe that Netflix is still, they're still the king of streaming services. So they're, it just, it's just really good content that they have on there.
2: And what is uh, last year? Was it last year or the year before their uh, production, their production budget was $6 billion with a B. (laughs) And, you know, obviously I remember, you know, renting two DVDs at once uh, from Netflix and now they're, they got their own, you know, studio it's it's amazing how they've grown
1: yeah no it, it really is incredible um i mean they essentially started out they were like a, ma- a mail order red box you know I right mean, yeah and from from those roots to where they are now is it, it really is incredible yeah.
2: <laughs> mind-boggling mind-boggling yeah. so you know obviously uh coronavirus has kind of changed the landscape of everything uh let alone the role of movie houses you know, with people having home theaters, you know, obviously in their homes, they don't have to go out. What do you think about the role of movie houses? Do you think it's fading?
1: Oh, uh, well, the 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 pandemic has not helped. Right. <laughs> it has not helped at all. And if anybody felt that movie theaters might be slipping, um, the pandemic has maybe only expedited that, that feeling. But... Um my personal opinion about movie theaters is that not not just not just because I enjoy going to them and for me it's a fun activity but I actually think that that within the social construct of our society movie theaters play an important role and it is it is one of the very few places outside of maybe sports or going to church where people gather in a place for a common purpose and, and experience a, a similar experience and and to me that that's a really important thing that I think needs to continue to exist within our society I think movie theaters allow people to come together and and set aside whatever differences you might have you know whatever whatever different beliefs or you know or you know anything that you might say hey this makes you and i uncommon or you know we can't get along well now actually we're sitting in a movie that we both enjoy now we have something in common and 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 to me it might seem trivial it really might like and i get that movie theaters are expensive but <laughs> <your> ticket <laughs> ticket prices only seem to be going up um um but just that aspect alone uh, in the role that I view that it plays in society, I think it is critical, absolutely critical for movie theaters to continue to exist. It just, I, it's just, it's just not the same. I, I, I love watching movies and I'll watch them wherever, but if I had the choice of choosing between my home and a movie theater, I will always choose a movie theater over my home. I just, it's almost, it's a sanctuary. It, it really is sure. for me. It's just, yeah. it's, it's a place you can go and you know, you're, you're, Okay, you're not on your you're still watching the screen, but you're not on your phone. You're you're intently focused and listening to something that is happening, you know, outside of your current world that you have. And it's just I mean, it's a place to be taught. It's a place to experience someone else's experiences without you actually going through it. I just I don't know, man. I can't say enough good things about movie theaters and why I love them so much
2: look I absolutely agree with you I know we've got uh, that in common and I'm not shy I, I'm gonna say that for me you know going into a movie theater is really like a religious experience it's it's a it's a major trip uh, you know I, I've never done acid but I would assume <laughs> that it's 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 a similar feeling I mean you get transported to a galaxy far far away you are there you are experiencing that um, you know I, I think the 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 the, the two um, most recent experiences that I remember just v- being very emotional. Um, the Pixar movie um, Coco was uh, a really great experience, uh, both me and for the entire, you know, uh, theater that was with us. Um, I mean, towards the end, I mean, everybody was bawling their eyes out. And I remember leaving the theater and people that were waiting to come in to the next showing, were like looking at everybody like what the hell did they just experience yeah. but you can yeah. tell everybody was was emotional yeah um you know tron was another film that kind of got me emotional because of the loss of my father mm. i saw um you know i saw when when uh, what's his name Jeff Bridges. young Flynn oh when 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 young flynn yeah. Finally, you know, went into the computer and realized that his father didn't abandon him; that he had no choice, and they kind of embraced for the first time. I lost it, so it's uh, you know, it's you're right. It's that emotional connection, that religious-like experience that that you go uh, and share these these human experiences with the rest of the people that are in the theaters with you. Yeah, well said. I, I, my, and I, I can
1: I can recall. Uh, is, my the most impactful movie theater experiences I've ever had still stick with me to this day. And I, they are as clear as day to me. And that's, that's how, you know, emotionally affected. I felt by them. The first, the first time I just felt completely overwhelmed emotionally at a movie theater was back in 1997. Um, I, uh, gosh, in 1997, I had to been 13, I think. And in 1997, uh, George Lucas re-released Star Wars mm-hmm. in the theater with the special edition. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. so me being born in 1984, I did not get to see any of the Star Wars movies in theaters, but you know, again, you grew up with them watching him in you, you know, on your TV, you know, on the VHS. I mean, I, you know, I probably went through at least, you know, half a dozen VHS tapes because he yeah, <laughs> just wore them out so much. But in, and, and when I was 13 in 1997, one of my family friends took me with his friends and we went to see Star Wars and we waited in line for like five hours, you know, to be able to get in. Um, I was even interviewed on the news. The local news had come and they were just inter- picking people out of the crowd and they picked me in line and I got to be on the news. But the thing I remember most about that experience is is it is the first time I recall people clapping and cheering in the in the movies. I had never experienced that before. And wow. and when people clapped and cheered like they always do in Star Wars movies now, and it's something you almost expect. Mm-hmm. It was it was at the beginning, you know, when when uh, right when it said you know a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. You know, people are cheering, and and when the crawl happens and Star with the big Star Wars logo comes up, you know, people are yelling and just ecstatic. And it feels it yeah. it honestly feels like a sporting event when you were at yeah. well, you know like the Super Bowl of movies. And then, you know, they're clapping and cheering at the end of the movie. And it was it was such a surreal emotional experience that that just you can't have that at your home. You know, you can't have sure. that experience, you know, it's sitting different. sitting on a plane watching a movie on your iPad like that experience yeah. only exists at a movie theater
2: absolutely and and speaking of uh religious experience we have a clip that was submitted by uh, force of light natalie and michelle who run the force of light uh entertainment podcast they talk a little bit about uh their experiences in movie theaters they just went to go see tenant uh so uh, let's uh drop that clip and uh when we come back i'm going to ask you a question about uh powerful movie experiences on on your end so we'll be right back
3: Hey, it's Michelle and Natalie with Force of Light Entertainment. And we are just going to quickly give you our thoughts, our experience of either the theater versus a home theater, watching movies in your house. Well, Natalie, you know that I, for one, have always... Truly loved going to the theater. Yes, you, sh- you definitely do. Like, I'm not. If I like something, I will see it two, three, four, maybe more times in the it's theater. It's really your home away from home. It truly is. In fact, one of the guys that worked at one of the local theaters I go to most of the time, he said, You're back again? <laughs> um, yeah, I just love the theater. It's hard to beat. You know, I have a very, very nice, I've got at my house, big screen TV added Bose system and I really enjoy that you know during the evening when I watch stuff but that doesn't replace the feeling of being in a theater with the surrounds the full surround sound the massive screen and let's be real: having the audience in there and hearing their oohs or their ahs or their claps at times or cheers—it just it adds to the excitement of a movie. Yes, I agree. And as Michelle knows, I am a bit of a homebody. I do love watching stuff at my house. However, I think a, a big theater experience, watching a movie, especially for the first time, you're able to just so detach from everything else and truly be immersed in that movie. And so to me, that's not comparable, like being at home or being in a theater, you know, grabbing your favorite snacks and drinks and just totally like checking out and being in the moment, watching that movie. I think, you know, it's a... it's one of my favorite things to do on it, the weekend. It is. In fact, I saw or I heard of a study that came out, well, now it's kind of, I think, around the beginning of the year, talking about how it's good for people's, like, hearts and minds, like, physically. I can, yeah, I can see uh, that. How it allows people to truly just kind of go somewhere else Detach, in their mind. Detach yeah. fully, like you were saying. And I agree, because when you're watching at home it's, it's harder not to be distracted by things, whether it's your telephone or just things going on. For some reason, it's just not as easy to detach. But when you go in that theater and walk in and, and I think another thing, like I said, it's just being around other people too. I think that can be good for us. It's healthy and getting out is healthy for us at times. Um, So I just, I love the theater. I, I honestly, I'm one of those, some people just love streaming at home. I hope, I, I But there's nothing that can replace the experience of going to the big screen, like you said, getting your favorite snack, detaching from whatever's going on in your life, and having zero distractions, not having your phone out, in the dark, with the big screen, surround sound, and watching a movie for the first time, and especially, like I said, taking it in with the crowd and cheering at the end. I love when we clap if it's something we liked at the end. It's just fun. It's just a great thing to do. You know, and if you think about it, it's such a classic activity that really has stood the test of time. It has. I mean, close to 100 years now. Yes, movie theaters, and if you can even go back further when you think of just the theater in general, back right. when people did plays. So, I mean, you know, going somewhere to watch entertainment like this, either a play or, in this case, now we're talking over 100 years of movies, it, it is classic entertainment, and I just don't think anything can replace it nor do I think anything should replace it. So I agree with Christopher Nolan that some things, you know, are meant to be seen in theaters and that we need the theater. Yes, absolutely. So I, th- I think that's about our thoughts. We clearly are huge fans of the theater. I, I suppo- especially the reclining chairs. And yes, yes, yes. I <laughs> think that's the one I go to. And, and they, I know they love me because I go a lot. <laughs> she definitely does. So we encourage you. You know, that's great if you like your home, but maybe think about going out to Step the out. Yeah. yeah. So that is it for us at of Light Entertainment. But yes, we love the theater. But we will catch you all next time. Bye. Bye, guys.
2: All right. Thank you, Natalie, Michelle, Force of Light Entertainment, another one of our wonderful Red Five Family podcasts. I hope you guys listen to them and subscribe to their uh, not only YouTube, but their show. Um, Like you said, they are a very fun follow, Natalie and Michelle. Thank you, guys. But uh, yeah, you know, um, what is it about... You know, I I do remember people saying that, you know, they'd rather not go out and they'd rather just watch a movie inside. And and like you said earlier, I know movie theater tickets are starting to creep up. But they're, you know, I mean, I think, you know, for me personally, you know, somebody that has, you know, gone to the theater, you know, five, six, seven times for one movie, um, (laughs) you know, it's... It's it's a, a thing that is definitely you know I I take different groups of people like when the Force uh, Awakens came out um, you know you've got your family that you got to take you got your you know work friends you got to take you got your other work friends so it's. Uh, you know, you want to be able to kind of share that uh, experience as well. And um, that is, I think that's also part of the movie theater experience when it comes, especially when it comes to these larger-than-life films, um, you know, sci-fi genre, the fantasy, all that. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's something that you don't get to experience every day in, in, in real life. So you want to go into this, you know, darkened room with everybody else and experience it. It's... Uh, it's it's just a a fun thing to do. I'm a, I'm gonna go out on a limb and guess that the movie that you saw
1: seven times at the theater was maybe Star. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: exactly, exactly. And you know, you you, you talked to uh, you know before the break, you talked a little bit about your experience in, in 1997 uh, with people screaming at uh, at uh, A New Hope when it was re released. Um, I had that same experience. In Los Angeles with uh, with episode one, obviously, after a long period of no Star Wars films and all of a sudden we you know, we hear news that a new Star Wars movie is coming out. Um, I made a trip with a college buddy of mine and we spent the night uh, two nights in front of the Grauman's Chinese Theater. Which was one of the best experiences for me, just kind of hanging out, you know, all night for two nights with other Star Wars fans. It was obviously a media event. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, seeing that Lucasfilm logo, people were yelling <laughs> a long time ago. People were just like losing their mind. It was like, you know, being in the 60s at a Beatles concert for the first time yeah, and yeah. you're, you know, you're, you're a fan. And it, it, it was just, it was an amazing experience. And I love that. And I don't think, you know, if you equated that to sports, you know, sports is a little different um, because, you know, you're, you're watching like real people do their thing, yeah. you know, if, if you're at an event, but I mean this, you're watching on a 16 by nine screen and, and there's just something about the power of cinema that, you know, joins, you know, the visual and the audio, uh, to bombard your senses with so much emotion, uh, the storytelling, the writing, you know, all the, again, just one of the things that I, one of the reasons I fell in love with the, the aspect of filmmaking and, and production and behind the scenes is because these people were able to evoke such emotion with, with what they were doing. Yeah. I think that's fascinating.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's, it's hard I think it's hard for me to deny that maybe the most the most excited i've ever been for any movie to come out was when the force awakens was going to come out i remember when they uh more than a year like 13 months before the movie even released it was the day after thanksgiving in 2014 when they released that first uh it was like a i don't know how long it was maybe 30 seconds or a minute that teaser and you 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 get you know you see finn's head pop up for the first time we know we don't even know it's finn um you know you you see you see kylo with his you know lightsaber and the hilt you right. know coming out you know and then you see the millennium falcon at the end and i just i i don't think i have ever been so excited for a movie in my life just uh the the anticipation was overwhelming at times and uh <laughs> I started yeah. dating my wife back in February 2015 and, and uh, I, I guess she really does love me because there's probably not much I talked about in 2015 other than Star Wars and <laughs> I was excited I was to see it. There has been an
0: awakening. Have you felt it? The dark side.
1: And the light. gosh, when the force awakens came out, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was at my phone, you know, ready to buy tickets. I bought tickets for me and my whole family. I made it this huge event where, you know, my, my sisters and their husbands and their kids and, and, you know, exactly, you know, my girlfriend, we weren't married, but you know, she still came and, uh, you know, friends. And we had like a group of like probably 25 people and, and it was just, it was just, I think, yeah, I mean, you said, you you know, movie experiences can sometimes be like a religious experience. And uh, for me, it was. I mean, it just was yeah, so, definitely. Was so um, you know, just fulfilling to see this thing that you had been waiting and hoping for for so long, you know, come to fruition. And, you know, whether or not the movie ended up being what you wanted it to be, just to be able to be there and see it unfold was just, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible, you know, and you only Good, get mm-hmm. that. At the movie theater, you only get it there. Sure,
2: yeah, definitely. So the you know that that second trailer that was released during San Diego Comic Con, mm. uh, the one uh, where at the end Han and Chewie come out onto the Falcon and say and and he Chewy, says Chewie, we're, we're home. home. Yep. I, that I lost that, and I must have <laughs> uh, at, when that trailer was released. I was at the doctor's office with my wife. And I was just sitting there in the waiting room and, you know, my phone just kept on buzzing and I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like scrolling through the timeline and I I start seeing people's reactions to it. And I had the headphones in the waiting room and I couldn't. I wanted to scream, but I couldn't because I was sitting there. It was so, so difficult. But uh yeah, I mean, you know, these big time genre films. You know, we we uh, we talk about how we get so emotional. It's it's so personal. Why do these movies work on on such a deep level? What do you think it is? Not only Star Wars, but obviously a lot of these genre films. And you know, you you and I we we proudly subscribe to the to the term you know nerd, um, be- <laughs> indeed. Because you know. So what is it about these films that really you know? talk to us
1: that's a great question and i know i mean that the answer is going to be different for everyone yeah you know i think it just i i i try to avoid twitter arguments you know i try to avoid arguments especially regarding movies just because i firmly believe that movies are subjective you know and so you know what we can might consider a great film someone else you know might hate and that and that's fine that's fine but i think I think the universal appeal and I don't, I'm not going to, I'm trying to not get too preachy, but I think at least for me, this is what it comes down to is that the universal appeal of movies and, and movies that really resonate, especially, I mean, you think, you think on, on a global scale movies that have made billions of dollars. um, The only reason why they're able to make billions of dollars is because of the wide appeal that they have. And so the story that they're able to tell is something that connect over broad cultures nations peoples languages and so if there is a story that is able to connect there's something about the story that appeals to the heart and soul of every human and 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 just the you know whether it's the hero's journey you know uh, the battle of good versus evil Um, you know, the, the story of the underdog that overcomes overwhelming odds and triumphs in spite of everything that lies before that person. These are, these are stories that, that really resonate within most individuals. And I think, I think if everybody was honest with themselves, I'd I'd probably, it'd be, be safe to say that it resonates with every person. There's just something about these stories that, that are familiar to humans and that, you, you know, again, I mean, they're multicultural, you know, I mean, you know, Marvel comics and Marvel comic book heroes originated in the United States. I mean, these are, you know, homegrown in the U S and yet, and yet Marvel studios has created a, a product that, that literally appeals to billions of people worldwide. And the only way you can do that is to be able to tell a story that can speak to the heart and soul of every human and whether the characters portrayed in the movie are American or not, whether they speak English or not, it's still a story that we recognize. And so, um, you know, I I am I am a religious person, and I believe in God, and you know, I have my own personal beliefs and whatnot. But I do believe that that the 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 fundamental nature of humans, that being spirit, is something that that we we connect to when stories are told about our fundamental natures. And so, you know, the story of heroes, the story of going up, you know, good versus evil. These are these are stories that that we love and they can be told over and over and over and over again. And, you know, you put a label of Star Wars on it. It's good versus evil. You know, put Marvel on it. Put DC. These, you know, it, it is essentially if you break it down to it's nuts and bolts. They're pretty much the same story, but we love them and we'll, we'll consume it all. Why? Because, because it speaks to us. And so that's hopefully, uh, I, I didn't sound too preachy, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's my, uh, that's the, my belief.
2: <laughs> I could not have said it better myself. It, uh, it, it definitely is one of those things that, uh, you know, Hollywood can tell these types of stories over and over again, but, uh, you know, movies can be seen through different lenses. Uh, you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've told Brad and Alex, you know, every time I watch The Empire Strikes Back, I pick up something brand new, yep. and I've seen that movie, you know, probably 10,000 times. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, that's the power of this medium. its uh, I don't think there's any other, you know... I, I think, you know, my wife is a big music freak, and I think she... Um, She uh, perceives listening to, you know, some of her favorite songs from the 60s and 70s in the same way that I perceive, you know, watching films that I uh, grew up enjoying and loving and and films that mean so much to me. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, uh, the the art form of, you know, creating uh, films is uh, is really something to be admired um, you know with uh, the creative, the creativity that goes into putting all this stuff together and that's uh, one of the reasons that I love love movies and going to movie theaters myself. Well said, well said Hey Star Wars fans and friends
0: of the podcast don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion let them know what's on your mind call 773-234-8659 and that's the scuttlebutt
2: Awesome, Andre. Thank you so much for joining me on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. It has been so much fun. But before we leave, I cannot let you go without giving you our treatment of a Scare of Scuttlebutt Sentry Mode series of questions. Yes! And, uh, (laughs) yes. So, Shoot. I hope I didn't sum myself
1: up. I don't want to get every single one of these wrong. <laughs> I know I messaged you uh, a number of weeks ago, and I said, I love Sentry I love Mode in yeah, your yeah, podcast. Totally. That's one of my favorite segments.
2: <laughs> so here we go. Roll that, that jingle.
1: Oh, gosh. I hope I don't embarrass myself. <laughs> this is
2: Sentry Mode. All right. So, these questions are uh, coming from uh, I just pulled them up and I figure they they're they're pretty they're pretty uh, they're pretty good. Uh, parade.com has a series of uh 100 fun move, movie trivia questions to stump all your fun-loving or film-loving friends. Oh so, gosh, okay. <laughs> excellent. So, let's go. Sentry Mode question number 1. What are the dying words of Charles Foster Kane
1: in Citizen Kane? (laughs) I knew there's always uh, that first question that you love to ask. (laughs) Oh, um, pass. Can I pass?
2: (laughs) No. And I think you know this. I know it's, it's, it's an easy, I think it's an easy question. Just remember Citizen Kane and remember the dying words and remember the sled. (laughs) no. Doesn't come to mind? Sorry, Ro. You already stumped me. Question number one. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. The uh, the answer is
0: Rosebud.
2: Oh, yes. All right. Yes. All right. All right. Okay. So, question number two on Sentry Mode What is or what was the first feature length animated movie ever released? I
1: think it's got to be Disney. Um, it is, yes. Which? It is. The first feature, full-length feature animated film from Disney was Snow White. It's got to be Snow White, right?
2: That is correct. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. First feature-length animated movie ever released. Nice. Excellent. Question number three. In the Matrix, does Neo take the blue pill or the red pill? Ooh.
1: Great question.
2: Were you you paying attention?
1: So this is, uh, it's kind of funny because, uh, recently this year you'll see this meme pop up a lot and uh oh yeah yeah yeah. um i believe he takes the red pill and he follows the rabbit and see how far that rabbit hole goes so
2: (laughs) that is correct the red pill neo takes the red pill excellent question number four what is the name of the skyscraper In Die Hard.
1: Oh gosh. Oh Oh, yeah. (laughs) A
2: a holiday, a Christmas holiday special.
1: (laughs) Oh, I, you know, and I hate to admit this because I know a lot of people consider Die Hard to be a Christmas movie, and that's fine. I I have no, I have no. I have no uh, horse in that race, um, but it's been a long time since I've seen Die Hard. I'm not yeah. one of those uh persons that watches it annually every December, but uh i
2: I don't know I can't remember it's it's funny because it you know i talked to my friends and um they, they for i don't know for for whatever reason it's turned into a holiday you know just like home alone i know it has you know it's uh you know the the christmas you know the christmas hit of the century uh, die hard i'm like what it's uh, the answer is nakatomi plaza
1: oh that's right
2: oh yeah, there you go. okay all right well i'm i'm uh, two for four two for four Let's see here. Question number five. This one goes way back, and I don't even know that if I knew it. Hold on, so let me see if because there's ten questions here. Let's see. Uh, Man, and I was hoping for all Star Wars questions. <laughs> no, since, since you review movies of all sorts, I mean, I just kind of threw in. Um, let's see here. All right, I'll give you I'll give you a Star Wars question. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. What was the cell block? That Princess Leia was held in, when Luke and Han went to go rescue her.
1: Play that line in your head. I'm 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 I'm, tr- I'm trying to dig it up right now. Oh my gosh!
2: And it's probably um, it's probably fifty or probably more, seventy five percent of Star Wars nerds' passwords.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> oh, dude. <sighs>
1: Bro, oh, you're man. killing me, man. You're killing me. Oh, my gosh. On the spot. I can't I can't come up with it. I can't come up with it.
2: Let's see if I can remember the line. Let's see what cell block this princess of yours is in. Here it is, 2187.
1: Oh, man. I, I would <laughs> not have been able to guess that, and I hate to admit
2: that. Shoot. No problem, no problem.
1: This is Sentry
2: Mode. That was a lot of fun, man. Thank you again century mode with andre hutchins if you <laughs> i wish i wish i had performed a
1: little bit better but uh next time next time
2: next time next time, <laughs> next time we, uh, you got to have me on and uh we got to talk about this man of steel business because uh that's uh that's a hot topic in our dms isn't it oh
1: dude ro i'm i'm so glad there's at least one person one person in our twitter <laughs> chat group that actually uh, sees logic <laughs> because to me it's anything it is it is only logical but uh but yeah why i'm i am a massive man of steel fan definitely
2: yeah same here same here andre thank you very much tell our scuttlebutt listeners where they can find your podcast yeah well Ro first i just want to tell you thank you man thanks this has
1: been it's been a real pleasure i really appreciate you having me on you you and brad do an incredible job you guys keep up the great work um, your your passion and love for Star Wars is evident and I just enjoy what you guys do. So uh, for me, um, just go to backseatdirectors.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just type in Backseat Directors and you'll be able to find us. Um, but yeah, um, and yeah, the Backseat Directors podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, you'll find us there.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much again. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. You know, uh, we, we try to kind of diversify our content uh, you know, there's just so many things you can talk about Star Wars. We tried to kind of deep dive in, in whatever we can, but you know, Star Wars is, uh, I think it, it was partially responsible for the event film, uh, especially when it comes to movie theaters and, uh, it's definitely an event type of, uh, film for me. Um, it's, it's one of the biggest reasons I, I, you know, continue to love the theater experience. Uh, because I think that's where my love for movies came from, and uh, I hope you know everybody listening to, to this show really appreciates how you know uh, movie theaters, uh, you know how long, how far they've come, and what they represent really to uh, to fans like us. So thank you so much, Andre, for what you do as well. And um, like I said, you know if you guys are new to the Scare of Podcast. Thank you very much for finding us. But if not, uh, thank you guys for coming back. All I can say now, you know, Brad's not here. Alex is not here. Um, I'm the only one that's left to say that's the scuttlebutt.
0: Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. red 5 offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to redfivenetwork.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network.